Um, so you you did watch the first episode of The Bachelor? Yes. Did you? Not yet. Do you think it's good? I think so. Um, it helps that I love Rachel so okay. much. I might have to watch yeah. this. It's, it's actually gonna, be gonna fun, Lucas. It's gonna happen. Picking out like our team, your team was fun but stressful but like a stressful kind of fun like oh it feels so like you're committing to so much okay because you're picking the guys for the whole season right like you're picking yeah, five guys and they have to make it through the, the hopefully more that last the more points you earn gosh yeah i i think yeah i'll definitely be way more invested yeah. in the show if you're if gonna I start picks, looking out so. for behavior that earns points you know yeah it's fun Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be talking about season two of Aziz Ansari's Netflix show, Master of None. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question, what country do you want to run away to for a few months? Uh, I'm Lucas Wright, a designer from the Bay Area, and obviously after watching Master of None, I definitely want to do Italy, but since if I can't pick Italy, uh, I'm going to have to go with Portugal. Right right in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to stray too far. Not too far. Still keep that, that, that uh, coastal European feel. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm going to stick to the coast too, Lucas. I would pick Greece. Uh, I just want to like yes. be right by the water and just eat Mediterranean food and not do anything for the whole summer. I mean, we should we should just do that. Just do a Grecian, like a, a, a Mediterranean podcast is what we should Let's do. do it. <laughs> Sign me up. Somebody, somebody sponsor that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, before we start talking about um, Aziz's travels and his new Netflix show, what are you feeling this week? I'm feeling the HBO original movie, The Wizard of Lies. This is the story of Bernie Madoff um, and kind of his, really his fall in 2008. Sandra, have you, you, do you know the story of Bernie Madoff? You know, vaguely, I know the name. Right. I know, like, there's fraud involved. I know, was he like a money manager of sorts? Yeah, so basically he that's, ran that's all, the biggest Ponzi scheme of, of knowledge. all time ever. <laughs> um, yeah. And ba- yeah, basically I, I knew about that. It was just he was an investor in New York who ran a Ponzi scheme and went to jail for it and all that. Um, and so this gives us like a little more in-depth look at his life kind of leading up to um, his arrest. And it's it has a killer cast. It's uh, Robert De Niro plays Bernie Madoff and Michelle Pfeiffer plays his wife, Ruth, Ruth Madoff. Um, and it's really just, it's not a, you know, this is his life story. It's just, this is kind of what led up to um, his fall and what that looks like from his point of view. It's it's based on an article that Diana Hendricks wrote um, after he was already in jail, just kind of interviewing him and talking about what he thinks about this. And he really has a, a very skewed view of <laughs> um, kind of his life and, 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 
his really his crimes. And so watching Robert De Niro kind of take on this persona and play this person is so, so good. And I haven't seen Michelle Pfeiffer work like this in a long time. Just her kind of quipping with um, Robert De Niro is great. It's so great. So it's yeah. it's a short movie. I, it's like an hour and a half. So if you if you guys have time, definitely watch this thing. If I was going to tune into it, it would be for Michelle Pfeiffer. In the trailers, she seems like the most appealing part of this film for me. She's uh, she's so good. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, it also gives a really good look at his kids. He has two grown children kind of in 2008 when this thing goes down. Um, and it gives a really great look at you know, how they see, cause they're, they, they're also people who are part of this company who thought it was legit and whose life, whose, whose lives also kind of get torn apart by this. Um, and so I think a lot of people have a, a, uh, a negative view of that whole family kind of at, as that was happening. Um, and this really gives a look at what it's like to be, you know, part of this family that is falling apart and, to realize that you've trusted someone for all these years and all of this kind of gets taken away from you. So it was really well done, really well told, uh, and also just a beautifully shot movie as well. So, so. I'm assuming you think it's going to have some Emmy buzz? I, I think it will. I don't think it'll have a lot. I think Michelle Pfeiffer will be in there, probably Robert De Niro, um, a lot, pro- probably mostly on the acting front. Um, I would love it if it got more, but knowing what else is kind of <laughs> coming up in the works for Emmy season, uh, it's going to be crowded this year. Here's the thing. So are made-for-TV movies in the same acting categories? Yes, as miniseries, yes, right? Yes, yes. So the acting, the actress category for miniseries or made-for-a-movie is the most competitive I think it's ever been this year. Yeah, um, everyone in the world is in that. <laughs> Big Little Lies has three incredible actresses in it. Mm-hmm. You've got Feud mm-hmm. with two major stars like giving performances of a lifetime in it. Um, You're probably going to have American Horror Story in it again. Sure. Uh, there's I, there's others that I'm forgetting, but like... This is a hard category yeah. this year. Yeah. A lot of people that I hear buzzing about it are really hoping for Nicole Kidman um, for Big Little mm-hmm. Lies. Um, but I, I, it could be anybody's game. Yeah. We'll see. I'm excited about the Emmys this year. It's it's going to be really, really good. I don't think there's going to be a single thing nominated that doesn't, doesn't deserve it. So. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. Well, this week I'm feeling um, an app for mac called bumper it's spelled b-u-m-p-r um lucas have you heard of this app before i have i um yeah i've i follow one of the designers that worked on this so oh cool well i have been using it for a few months and it has it's just like such an integral part of my work day for those of you who use macs and who use multiple browsers on your Mac. So you might use Chrome for certain things and Firefox for other things and Safari for a different thing. Um, This app will change your life. Bumper is a program that when you click on a link outside of a browser, so like in an email, like in your email client, uh, or if you have Twitter as a separate app or or anything that's not an in-link browser, um, it will ask you what browser you want to open that link with. That is so helpful for me because on my work computer, I tend to use Chrome 
for work-related stuff, and then Firefox for some more personal stuff. So mostly I have those separated because I have different Gmail accounts logged into different browsers, and it's easier than logging it back in um, to one or the other constantly. Um, and I use Safari for a different purpose because we have a different Facebook account that we use for different things for work. So I'm often opening links and I don't always want to open them in the same browser. Um, so Bumper has been so helpful for me in that. You can also use Bumper to choose what email um, client opens an email link. If you have multiple email clients, if you use both Outlook and Mac Mail or any other additional email client. I don't really use that feature. Um, but I could see where it would be really handy. Um, do you use Bumper, Lucas? Uh, I do not. I've heard it's really great, and it's really useful for people who need it. Uh, me, I am 100% Safari all the time. I do, there's not a need for me to even have another browser. Sure. So I it's not something that I would ever use, but from what I've heard, it's fantastic. Man, as soon as I heard about it on Twitter, I was just like, this is the thing I didn't even know I needed. And now <laughs> that I have it, I can't imagine doing work without it. Oh, man. It was, um, yeah, it was one of the things I like. I, I, I follow, one, you know, one of the designers who worked on it. And I, and then he put, he kept posting about it. And I was like, this is, it sounds great. Cause it's, it's, from what I've seen, it's beautifully designed. And it's, it's, a, it's an amazing feature. I just can't use it, which is kind of so, sad. So <laughs> it's so simple to use. Yeah. It's, it's, there, it's, there's no fuss. That's what I love about it is that it, it is always on. You click the link and then instantly gives you the Chrome logo or the, the Firefox logo and you click the one you want and then it's everything's easy. Um, Keep it so simple. I just wanted to recommend that. I think that it I don't think it's a free app. You have to download it from the Mac store uh, or the app store. And I don't remember how much I paid for it. I want to say it was between 99 cents or five dollars. I think somewhere in between there. Um, but it was worth it. So I recommend it to people. Perfect. So let's get into Aziz's new show, Master of None. Lucas, I'm assuming you watched and loved the first season of Master of None last year, correct? With all my heart. Man, that show was killer. I mean, me too. Oh, I, f I, f I feel like season one was our introduction to Aziz Ansari. Like we've, we've seen him in Parks and Rec. We've seen him in... Stand up uh, and st in his stand up, that kind of thing. But we got to know him in season one, and it was basically just here's was it 10 episodes? I feel like it was 10 episodes, something about around there. It was close to 10 episodes of him just basically showing us his life and what he, what what he's dealing with. I I love season one so much. Um, I love I've always loved Aziz. I'm sorry, I've loved his stand up, I loved him in um, Parks and Rec, and one thing, however, though, like, I do love his stand-up. His stand-up, however, is so big and boisterous. It's, mm -hmm. like, loud and goofy, and, you know, he performs at Madison Square Garden. Um, he was, like, this big performer that I feel like um, anyone from any walks of life could, like, watch an Aziz Ansari show and have a great time. And that is a part of him that I loved seeing. However, I love what I love about Master of None is how specific he gets to be and how he doesn't have to be this huge persona. He gets to be like, he's still himself. It's this very similar um, sense of humor, mm -hmm. but it gets to be just him living a day-to-day -day life in a very stylized way, in a way that I, and a style of course, that I think is really fun to watch. Um, 
So I was so excited about season two coming back. I also, one of the things that I love about Aziz's show, both season one and now season two, is that he, like, really isn't afraid to get into relationships and romance in the modern era. Yeah. In a way that doesn't feel cheesy. It doesn't feel like a rom-com, even though I love rom-coms. It doesn't feel like... Uh, a soap it doesn't feel like a sitcom it just feels fresh and honest and real um and i was really excited to start season two and see where this character was going to go off to um so let's talk about season two without spoiling any major plot points yes and um (laughs) then we'll talk for a little bit longer with talking about episodes and plots um i will say we're probably going to spoil season one so if you haven't seen season one of master of none um you might want to just pause that pause right now and go watch that does that sound good absolutely okay so season one left off with aziz um breaking up with his girlfriend rachel and flying to italy to learn how to make pasta once he learned that his girlfriend rachel was going to follow her dream and fly to tokyo that kind of inspired him to do the same um it was a really great ending in my Mm -hmm. opinion yeah um so season two opens with him in italy and throughout the season we get to see him learning how to make pasta in italy and meeting people there and then eventually coming back to new york um and dealing with his life back in america um, how did you feel about this season, Lucas? I feel like this season really built off of kind of what we, off the foundation that we'd kind of had, um, of season one of, we have <clears throat> Aziz Ansari and Alan Yang as these showrunners who completely understand New York and understand, um, kind of their, the social group that they're kind of rolling in and at the beginning of the season, just completely transport that uproot Aziz, put him in a whole new setting, um, and have him in the in the first couple episodes just kind of get to know an area and get to know some people. Um, and it really kind of takes you back and kind of resets you onto who this character is. And I think what what they do really nicely throughout the rest of the season as well, um, and they did this last season too, but it really kind of, I think, elevates here, is have conversations that are not had on TV. There's a lot of conversations that happen in this show that you might hear about on Twitter or that, you know, you might have with a friend, um, but isn't talked about in this broad sense. Um, And we'll, again, talk a lot more about that in spoilers, but they are not afraid to have those conversations and kind of bring that into a light. And what that does, I think it's and it's always like super exciting and life affirming stuff that you're like, yes, afterwards, you're like, I'm so glad that I'm watching this show. It's not super depressing or anything like that. But they're as as soon as an episode's over, there are conversations that you then want to also have with other people of how do you feel about that subject? Like, is are are we on the same page there? Um, Which I think is super exciting to watch with other people, because then, you know, as soon as an episode closes, you can have that conversation. One of the things I love about the way they handle doing that is um, they never forget their tone. And like they know at heart that they are a comedy. You can address these like serious topics that you that people aren't having on television Mm -hmm. in a way that is not this like like heart heavy way like they like you know yeah uh, for one instance i 
I, I don't think this is a spoiler, but the topic of like police shootings comes up in an episode. Yep. And it feels very honest and serious and like, but it also doesn't like weigh down the episode. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not trying to make a comedy episode about police shootings. Right. He is bringing up those conversations in a very natural way, like his character probably would in real life and how he probably is in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so refreshing to see that like, yeah, we can have these real moments reflected in comedy in a way that is, it doesn't feel like a t- strange tonal shift. Yep. Um, one of the other really great things that I think is interesting is with these kind of conversations that have to happen, this all can't take place from Aziz's perspective. Um, mm-hmm. And so what he does, what him and Alan Yang both do, is they bring in other people to help write these these episodes, which is really, really cool. Um, it's a huge difference. It really does. So there's one episode about religion that Aziz actually brings in his brother um, to help him write. And um, it's basically, I mean, you know, both of them grew up in a, uh, in a, in a, in a Muslim household, um, but then they also kind of talk about what it what it's like with other families and other other you know f- friends of theirs um, growing up in a Christian home or in a um, a Hindu home and that kind of thing and what what that looks like as they kind of grow into adulthood and maybe separate from that um, and what is your relationship like with your parents in those types of situations um, and not having everything from one person's perspective is really cool when you're having these conversations. Um, I mean, my favorite thing about Master of None is that he can take these risks to incorporate his character storylines, but then also have episodes where his main characters are barely even in it. Mm-hmm. And just like focus on a topic or an idea for um, a way to tell a story that is has nothing to do with the rest of the season. You know, it's just a really great idea or a really great topic he wanted to explore. And, it fits so perfectly. Um, he's created this beautiful version of his world and his New York where all these types of episodes flow together so naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, I I haven't seen anything like this on any other TV show, at least from my experience. Totally. I know every now and then, you know, there'll be a show that you watch and you'll have your main characters and then they'll do one episode that's like totally out of the ordinary for them you know right and right. people talk about that episode forever i feel like aziz's whole season is that amazing that one amazing episode that certain shows sometimes get to do mm-hmm. somebody somebody i forget where i think it was on twitter was just asking is it possible to use master of none as like an anthology series and each season put a different comedian in telling stories like that and i don't think that that is something you can do with the show because it is so tightly tied to this specific um, style and it's not it's not just a kind of generic style that anybody can like you know come into Um, it is one crafted for this show and that fits with this version of New York and even though you have other people telling stories and we get to see other characters and stuff like that um, it's very specific to the kind of stories that these guys are wanting to tell I just you it also makes me want to sit down Every single person in Hollywood that has ever given an excuse for why, like, their TV shows don't have enough diversity and just make yeah. them, like, I want to make them just, like, watch Master of None and be like, there's no excuses. <laughs> <laughs> this show has 
so much diversity, and I mean that in a real way, not in a way like they have one like black friend character. Like, yeah. no, it is truly diverse mm-hmm. and um, so compelling because of that diversity. And also, it doesn't feel like, look at us, we're trying to be so diverse. It really is just natural, incredible storytelling. Yeah, it's not pandering. It's very much... Not in the it's, slightest. It's we're telling a natural story, and this is what happens when you and tell a natural story. Like you mentioned earlier, it's not pandering because they're getting people who actually live those stories to write those stories. Yeah. And not just some like white writer's room to right. write a story for a bunch of people of color to act out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's really good stuff. Um, there's so much that I want to say, and I, I keep thinking they're spoilers. Is there yeah. anything else that you want to get out before we start diving into like actual episodes? Um, I don't think so. I think, yeah, let's, let, let's jump in. Okay. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Now, cracking gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. So let's start with Italy. Yes. Um, That was great. I was glad that we weren't there too long. Mm-hmm. I, I was... At, at the beginning, I was afraid that this whole season was going to be in Italy. Right. <laughs> Me too. Um, and I loved Italy. 100% loved it. It was perfect. I think we spent the perfect amount of time there. Um, because later, it's referenced a lot. And just, you know, basically everything that he's learned in Italy and kind of what what comes out of that. And we have that backstory. We have all of that right. knowledge, which yeah. is perfect. Um, so I thought the second episode was such a special way to like, again, see Italy and be a part of that and see the food while still kind of tying up that storyline from season one with Rachel, his Mm -hmm. ex-girlfriend. That storyline didn't feel super tied up by the end of that season. It did not. No, it just kind of, that relationship just ended and we had been falling in love with the two of them as a couple for the whole season And then all of a sudden you're kind of told like, oh, this isn't working anymore. And I don't think that that was bad. I think it was very interesting. But this really, see, episode two really gave some of that closure that I think I needed as a viewer. Yeah, definitely. I think think it's interesting having, because a lot of this show, there's a lot of texting in it. Um, and you, I love you, how much texting you see show. a lot of phone screens and stuff like that. And I think I think that's something that other shows don't do. Um, a lot of shows are moving more toward, you know, you see text messages on this like of our, a UI representation on the screen as you're seeing people's faces and react to them and stuff like, like that. Seeing like in negative space. Exactly. This. Exactly. Yeah. Which I think I like a lot more than trying to read the phone screen. Um, but. I think what ends up happening is most people end up just shying away from using texting as a communication tool um, in their shows just in general because it is boring and it's not, you know, it's not easily done in a, in a visual medium. Um, and I just think it's so important to the types of stories that he's telling here. Well, here's that, my theory is yeah. texting is boring in most TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um and most TV shows don't show it very well. And I don't really care whether I see, like, it on the negative space or I see it on the phone. Like, that doesn't really bother – I don't care either way. I think both can be done very well. Um, I think one of the reasons I like it so much in Aziz's show and why I think it's so good in Aziz's show is because I think Aziz, as a human being, 
is a great texter. I think, like, (laughs) if I think he's the best person in the world at texting. Like, I think if you want to flirt, like, there's no better flirting in the world than texting with Aziz Ansari, in my opinion. Oh, Um, totally. Yeah. And I just think his style of comedy leads so well to, like, text messaging. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it feels so real when we're seeing it in his show, because it reminds us of the great moments we have texting our friends, the funny mm-hmm. asides, the cleverness that you kind of try so hard to impart when you're texting someone you're interested in, um, the emoji use. I think he really captures it so well. Um, another thing that I think is what make it, it makes it work so well on this show in particular is that it is on Netflix and it's easy to pause. You can pause <laughs> and read the phone. Yes. And you can't do that with a lot of shows. Um, even if, like, I watch all of my shows online. I watch them on Hulu. I watch them, you know, but even still, something about it being on Netflix feels very pausable. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps a lot. Um, yeah, that's a good, that's a, it's a really good point. I definitely think, like, when, when you're reading these text messages, you're like, this is Aziz. Like, this is him. Yeah. This is 100% him and, texting. And I, it's it's actually really inspiring. <laughs> it is. I just want to say that I hope a lot of people try to learn, a lot of other showrunners try to learn something from Master of None when it comes to showcasing texting in a TV show. Because mm-hmm. people are trying to avoid including it. But it is becoming, and it is, and it's not is becoming, it is such an integral part of the way we communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it. imagine if TV shows were just like, we're not going to include phone calls. Like, like we just, yeah. it's too hard to show how phone calls work. Yeah. But uh, like a few years ago, you know, years ago, that would have been crazy because everyone talks on the phone all the time. <laughs> it's an important part of the way we all communicate as a human race. Right. And now texting is a super like if most people text constantly throughout the day and rarely make phone calls to each each other yep. or at least most people that i know um and so for our television shows not to show that i think is really doing a disservice to truth totally so 100% i hope agree. that people can start figuring out how to incorporate it because you know especially when it comes to romance because it's just not honest to say that like some of your most important moments in a relationship don't happen. Like they happen over text message nowadays. Mm-hmm. You ask people out over text message. You awkwardly confess feelings over text message. You a lot of people break up via text message. Um, and Wait, that happens really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I would geez. say you know not not like long term relationships, but if you're like casually seeing people, I think a lot of times it happens over text message. Wow. Um, and especially like if you're just dating, like a lot of times you get rejected over text message, I should say, versus mm-hmm. like broken up with. Got and it. So those are like really important parts of love stories that currently TV shows are just avoiding. They're having people ask each, out, each other out in person because that's, you know, easy to shoot and compelling to watch. But that's mm-hmm. not the reality. Yeah. And I think part of TV is, you know, finding that balance between something that's entertaining to watch, but also real. So, yep. Got to get anyway. creative. <laughs> that's, that's my text messaging. Um, soapbox. Soapbox. Thank you. <laughs> yes. 
let's talk about what you mentioned earlier. We're going to go out of order with these episodes. Yes. Um, my favorite episode yes. of the season, the Thanksgiving yes. episode. Oh, my goodness. So, one, one, Angela Bassett should be in everything. She needs She's to. So good. <laughs> she needs to be cast in everything now. Um, I loved her in this episode. Basically, this episode we get. Uh, what's the range? It starts in like ninety six, so we get. I think so. A, like eleven years, basically, of Thanksgiving dinners at Denise's house, um, and Angela Bassett plays her mom, and Aziz is there for every single one of these. <laughs> Which is so fun. It's so fun. And we get, what, like four different kids playing Aziz? Yeah, we get like a kid, we get like a preteen, a teen, and then Aziz Aziz plays Dev as a college student. And then then he plays Dev as, you know, an adult. Yeah. Um, But I, like, this, all all of, one, I gotta step back. Hang on. These episodes are short stories, and I love it. Usually with Netflix, like, binge stuff, um, everybody talks about how, like, oh, I decided to make a, you know, a 10-hour movie and just release it in episodes, and that's what we're getting. Whereas this is specifically tailored episodes released in an episodic format, which means I don't have to watch them all at once, which is great. (laughs) Um, But you get to walk away with something like this, which is something you couldn't do normally. With this whole episode is basically just... A bunch of Thanksgiving dinners. And all in the we same get, house. All in the same house with the same people for the most part. And we get to see kind of how the progression with this family changes over the years. Yeah. So good. Um, this is a character that I find so compelling. On We don't get enough of her, I think, on this show. If I had to critique Master of None for one thing, it was that I would want more Denise and less Arnold. Um Mm, that's hard I, for me. <laughs> I enjoy Arnold. I have nothing against him. Yeah. But yeah. I would like the screen time to be a lip, a bit more balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, and Denise's story, though, is, again, it's told in what I would imagine is such a realistic way. Um, there is some heartbreaking moments in it, but they don't play up the heartbreak in a big, dramatic way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... It's very honest. I there are moments that like warmed my heart again, but they're not cheesy or over the top. Everything that this show does, it's just it just feels so truthful. Um, I particularly loved, um, you know, the crux of this episode is you know Denise Denise and her mom um, coming to terms with their relationship and her mom coming to terms with like Denise being a lesbian mm-hmm. and that I think is handled extremely well but to me one of like the most uh my favorite parts of this episode is not just that but how a family reacts when you bring home a significant other especially <laughs> when it's you're not comfortable with the situation to begin with yeah um and so that can be like I think incredibly often or and well played out as this episode has where it's you know you're not comfortable with the sexuality of your child and so then bring a significant other is a main point as a major point of controversy um but it can also be played out in so many other ways i'm thinking of and it's very similar things where um like you know the your parents just don't straight up don't approve of you dating that person we've seen it in other tv shows where a character brings home um, a significant other of like a different ethnicity um, or 
uh, or a big age difference. These are all things that like have similar consequences at a big family event. Um, and those moments I thought were beautifully captured the mm -hmm. way like Denise's family was keeping an eye on every like hand, mo mo uh, hand motion that Denise would make on her girlfriends or the way like you can bring home someone and everyone just hates that person. <laughs> you're, just like, you're just like, Oh, I can't believe you like this person. I cannot stand them. Um, I, the bonding moment between Dev and Denise's family over mm -hmm. their hatred of one of her girlfriends yep. was so funny. Yep. That was that was that might be my favorite scene of the entire season. Yeah. Is just their little quick conversation of, oh, we all hate this girl. This girl's terrible. <laughs> right. Um, and how like, you know, obviously they all get along Dev gets along with her family very well because he's there every year. Yeah. But I loved how in that moment, you know, you had her relatives that are uncomfortable with her sexuality and you have dev who is comfortable with her sexuality mm -hmm. and them unifying in that moment over <laughs> in their distaste yes. for this one person yes yep <laughs> um it was so fun oh yeah uh yeah i i really had a ball with that episode mm -hmm. um another one that really stood out to me um was the was the i would call the tinder episode um, they didn't call it Tinder in this show, but it was essentially a mock-up of a version of Tinder that Dev and many other women were using, um, where Dev goes on several Tinder dates and they're all spliced together. Like as the evening progresses, we get to see how each of those e dates progress throughout that same evening. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I loved this episode. Because I'm a person that does a lot of online dating, and I'm very familiar with Tinder and the, the frustrations of going out on dates with strangers that you met on an app. Um, I thought this show captured a lot of those very beautifully. As someone who does zero online dating, um, I, I thought this episode was also amazing. <laughs> I, I thought it gave a great view of what it is like to kind of have these conversations of these weird kind of getting to know you conversations of meeting a crazy person at <laughs> on a date, which is which happens. And just like what, you know, how how does the, how do those conversations go? How do you get out of those types of situations? Um, you know, at, at what point in, in the evening do you think like, yes, this is a good date or yes, this this is terrible. I want to get out of here um, or even and, worse. Yes, this is a good date, and then at the end, you find out that the other person wasn't feeling the same way, even though right, exactly, were. yeah. And so I just, I just thought it was a great view of it. It's, it's a, it's the shortest way to encapsulate exactly how frustrated he is with dating and the whole uh, kind of situation that he's in. So you don't have to have a season long arc of him dating all these women and not, you know, not, not connecting and it not going well and that kind of thing. You get right. one episode telling just in general, this is how dating works now. This is, this is why it's weird. This is why it's great. Um, and then you understand you now at the end of the episode, you understand exactly where he's at for to basically as, as it's going to wrap up the rest of the season, yeah. um, kind of talking about more about, you know, his dating life and where he's at, you, you completely understand his situation at that point. I, I also think Aziz and his team do a really great job of 
telling a story from his point of view, but really giving the female characters in his show a chance to give their side of the story. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I love those moments in the episode where like woman after woman gets to explain like the way they're typically treated on online dating. Yes. Um, yep. And Aziz is just like an affirming listening board for women. He did that in last season. He does mm-hmm. that again multiple times in this season in a way that I just I respect yeah. so much. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's it's interesting because this is her, his show and we're yeah. seeing things from his point of view. But it's so it would be so easy to stop there. And yeah. just say like this is the story we're telling, um, but for and I, and again, I it, it comes back to bringing in other people to help with this. Mm-hmm. Um, you get writers on here who have different points of views, and you get to tell these awesome stories. He's not making a show about women dating, so right this these yeah. shows. So he doesn't have to cover these topics. Mm-hmm. But what I like about what I would imagine his point of view is is that his life, women are a part of his life. So to not tell their stories as part of his story would make no sense, you know? Yeah, yeah. As this person who loves and respects women, who works with women, who has them as friends and dates women and recognizes them as, like, important members of society, <laughs> like, those stories are part of his story. Yeah. And so he gives them moment for those stories to shine. Um, yeah, and, and that just... It makes it makes so much sense when you really think about it that like mm-hmm. every show should be like that. Just because you have a male character in the lead does not mean like that there are no women in that world, you right. know, and like their right. stories don't matter. Yeah, which is why I was so impressed with the finale episode. Um, you th- you think you're just gonna wrap up this season and just kind of you know go out on a high note, but he tackles the basically the fall of a celebrity it, I guess, chef yeah yeah basically the yeah the fall of a celebrity through sexual harassment yeah um in in the finale just then that's not even like the main focus of the of the finale it just right. ends up happening in there um and i was so impressed that it's like all right you're gonna do this this is what you're gonna tackle right here as you're trying to wrap this up and that's impressive. That's so well done and told so well. Um, obviously, we're getting it from his perspective, and we don't see um, any of the sexual harassment happening throughout right. this throughout the season. We um, just basically get it from female voices of "Hey, this happened. Hey, this right. happened." And we and and so from an audience perspective, we can't we can't judge that as you know yes we're positive this happened you know yes we saw this happen we have to take somebody's word for it just like just like dev is doing and just like we're all doing in our current situation in the media as all the time men are sure. getting <laughs> getting accused um we're not there for it and so i feel like in most shows in this type of situation we're seeing it from somebody in that in the situation's perspective we're seeing it from the woman's perspective or from the guy's perspective and here we are an outside view um kind of looking in at this yeah i i loved the way that storyline was handled i love how um that character that bobby cannavale yes. plays he's um, the best he's he's as an actor, I want him in everything. He's, He's great. so good. Um, I really appreciate that that character throughout the entire season never did anything specifically yes. that yes. should make us doubt him. Like yep. he kept being like so 
wonderful to Aziz. Yep. And yet in my head, from the moment we met that character, I felt like there's something iffy. Agreed. You know? Agreed. And, and then Same. You, and then and then he proves you wrong and then you think, "Oh, that's the joke is that you feel iffy about him." Exactly. But he's never going to like actually but he's actually a good guy. Exactly. And then for the end of the season to find out that no, he is the creep that you kind of in your stomach thought he might be <laughs> was so satisfying. Yeah. Yep. So well done cuz yeah, you you could have had him just be creepy the entire that time. That is a very delicate mm-hmm. thing to portray. Yep. Yep. Um, and they nailed it. He, they, he did a great job of it. Yeah. Um, okay. Before we talk about Francesca, because that is like the big, I think, storyline of the season. Yep. Um, there's one more episode that I want us to talk about in detail. Mm-hmm. And that is the New York I Love You yes. episode. Yes. Oh, what an episode. I So I did not see this coming at all. Because it starts off the episode following them as they are going. Our main characters. Our main characters as we're going to a movie. Um, and it splits off. Um, following a doorman, a doorman that they're walking beside for like mm-hmm. a second, um, yeah. and they kind of go off one way, and then we follow him into the building, and then we stick with him for a while, and you're just like, okay, I have no idea what's going on. Why are we like, who is this guy? Is he important? I don't know what's happening. And yeah. you get to like love him and kind of understand his story. Just a and little then, slice of his life. Yeah, and then, and then you follow his uh, his uh, one of his coworkers outside, and that guy walks into a bodega. And we kind of focus on a uh, on a guy kind of flirting with the cash with the cashier, and you think, okay, are we following somebody else now? And we're following a deaf cashier now, and the episode goes silent, and that Which blew my mind. Stunning. Let me say that the 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 whole episode was wonderful, but the section that was silent, yep. featuring deaf characters, yep, um, was really really special. Yes, um, I was paying attention in a way that I was such focus that I uh-huh. don't pay attention to TV. Yep. Yep. You know? <laughs> um, I, I loved the humor that we got to see in that section. Um, like I was laughing out loud during several parts of that mm-hmm. um, to, to laugh out loud watching something with no sound is such a strange, yes. Um, like occurrence. And I yes. loved it. Yep. Yeah. I think it like, I mean, I feel like I've said it a million times, but it comes back to telling these stories in a perfect way that really encapsulate encapsulates the person that you're telling this story about. Like, it, we don't spend a lot of time with any of these people as we get these, like, vignettes of their lives, but we know so much about them and so much about what their life is like. Yeah, and it, I love, like, it, it's very, that it followed the theme of, we're just seeing a slice of this person's life. We're mm-hmm. not getting their life story. We're not getting a, a, a section about what it's like to be deaf. Um, like that was naturally incorporated. Um, but it was about her and like her relationship issues. Mm-hmm. It wasn't yep. about, you know, and being deaf was part of that story because she and her partner, it seemed were both deaf, but the story was about like their sexual chemistry and that that was wonderful. Yeah. What I what I loved and then we didn't even talk about the taxi driver. We and then our last kind of vignette is yeah. of this taxi driver um and his his life living with a bunch of other guys who are all driving cabs and are just wanting to have a fun night out on the town. Yeah. <laughs> and they they work hard, they like yeah. save up their money. Um yep. they all seem to be immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um and 
and they, they want to have one fun night and it's just about how that can go awry in New York and then yeah. also how it can go so perfect. Yes. Because what I it's loved, New York. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what I loved about these three vignettes is each time it splits off the first time you're not sure, um, kind of what we're doing that, right. you know, what's going on, but you kind of yeah. catch on pretty you know, quickly. At first when it split off, I thought we were going to have a story about this old woman. Yes. Cause that, that's exactly what I was going to say. So when it yeah. first splits off, it's focusing on this little old white woman who is kind of, you know, that who the, the doorman is like carrying groceries for and kind of walks in. She's um, doing most of the talking. Yes. And that also mm-hmm. probably shows a lot of like my bias as a TV viewer is that yeah, I yep. immediately assume like, oh, it's about this little white lady now. Exactly. Um, but then she kind of goes on and we keep following this doorman. And then when we split off again, it's this this kind of white guy flirting with the cashier with the cashier. And I assumed it was the guy. Yeah. And we do, and the episode doesn't actually go silent until we realize that she's deaf, and now we're we're kind of following her um, right. as he leaves, and you know she keeps going about the bo- the bodega, and then the third time it's as she's leaving, we've watched these these kind of three girls get into the back of this taxi White cab. Girls. Yep, yep, and the same thing. I'm thinking this is going to be about them, yeah. and no, it's about this immigrant taxi driver. Right. And so, just kind of, yeah, 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 twisting our expectations into who you know who New York is for and who we n- normally see um, right. in these representations of New York. Yeah, and what a f- amazing final shot to see all of the characters we've gotten to know in one episode, including our heroes of the show. Yeah. Um, yep. All at this movie coming together in one mo- uh, in one moment in, in a movie theater um just it, it really was so special yeah. um again that could have been its own movie mm-hmm. um but it was so tight it was just such a tightly told story yep um, yep and again only like because we love and have gotten to know the style of t- filmmaking that Aziz mm-hmm. uses in his show that show that episode fit in so perfectly with the rest of the season. Totally. Totally. Okay. Let's get in to Francesca. Francesca. How did you feel about Francesca just as a character, Lucas? I thought she was great. Yeah. I really did. I so f- from from the beginning, I wanted more Francesca cuz she she she's in episode 1 and she doesn't come back until like episode 6 or something like that. And the one thing that I that I kind of missed there was, man, it would have been nice for like her and because I, I, I viewed it more as like her and his crew of Italian friends um, early on was, you know, I, I kind of want more of them. I kind of want more to see more of um, Dev's relationship with those guys. Um, and then watching her come back and watching her relationship grow with Aziz uh, or with with Dev was was awesome. I thought I thought she, she the the actress is fantastic. I loved how I don't know if it was written this way or they let her like do her lines, but some of the things she said were very much a um an English as a second language person saying them. Sure. Like they were they were very specifically lines that that an an American would not write for someone else to say. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was really cool. You know, I loved this storyline. I will say the character Francesca took me a while to really get on board with. Um, I wish she had been a little bit more flawed. Um, I think as a woman, I will say that like watching someone that beautiful and that charming, um, can be a little tiring. 
you know? <laughs> um, yeah. So, it, you know, you we have Aziz, who is incredibly charming, but mm-hmm. also feels, like, so realistic, you know? Right, He right. doesn't feel like this perfect model male character, every woman's dream, you know? Mm-hmm. He feels like a real guy that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden, we have, like, this Italian, beautiful, beautiful woman that, like, laughs at everything Dev says and is completely charming and, <laughs> and, and makes pasta and just, just and like, wants to go on adventures. And she just seemed really a little too good to be true. Um, I think eventually we got such a compelling story out of her character and her relationship with Dev. Mm-hmm. But in an ideal world for me, he would have fallen for a woman that wasn't quite so picture perfect. Yeah. Um, so that, that would be my, my one complaint of this season. Yeah. It's just that like, I think we, we get yeah. it. She's stunning. <laughs> She's so charming. <laughs> of course you're in love with her. I'm yeah. in love with her. Like, <laughs> I think in most shows I would have given the excuse of we're always seeing this from his perspective. And so we're sure. seeing her as he sees her. But in this show, we don't normally get that. We see people as they actually are. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so and so I, I, I totally see see where you're coming from there. Is that that is correct? She's she's a little too perfect. She just a, just a little bit. Um, Like I said, I think by the end of the season, I wasn't feeling that way as much. Right. We we definitely kind of see more of her and kind Some of where she's at. More vulnerability. Yes. Like, um, yes. Some, a little bit more of like how she isn't maybe like treating everyone mm-hmm. with the best that she can, you know. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We see um, we see those kinds of flaws at the end of the season, but it yeah. definitely I can totally see where it would have been nice to see see some more humanity earlier. <laughs> right. Right. Um, overall, I loved this storyline so much, though. I love that the character of Dev is a decent person. He sometimes does things that are selfish, but he al- almost always knows what he's doing is selfish, you know, he, mm-hmm. if, if he ever does them. He um, is always pretty much trying to be a really good person. Yeah. And seeing what that kind of character is like when they are falling in love with someone who's in a relationship is, I think, a really compelling story that happens a lot in the world. Mm-hmm. Um and I love to see it told with like this openness and this lack of judgment. Yeah. Yeah. And this is something that I feel like is really good to see play out over this season because it's yeah. not all about this. Other yeah. stuff happens in his life. He has other stuff going on. Like we sp- we don't spend every episode watching this, you know, r- this romance happen and stuff like right. that. Um, and so it, and so by the end, it feels like this has been brewing for a long time and that, um, kind of, we get the culmination of their entire relationship there at, in the, at the, at the end of the episode. Um, and it feels, it feels poignant. It feels real. Yeah. And, uh, it just, it, I also loved like his struggle between wondering like, I think I'm in love with this woman and I want to be with her, but I'm also a little concerned that I just want to be with someone. Right. You know? Right. And yep. like really feeling like she is something special, but also wondering like, but also knowing in himself enough mm-hmm. that also knowing like a big part of it is also that I'm just lonely and I mm-hmm. really want someone. Yeah. And that is, I think 
such a hard thing for people to admit, you know, yeah. it's really hard for someone to admit that, like, I desperately want to be with someone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And not just, oh, I found someone and I fell in love. Lucky me. You know, mm-hmm. that people really, really want and need relationships. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I thought that that was such a special moment towards the end for him to admit that. Yeah. And that's I feel like that's something that um, we've seen throughout the show, like yeah, not just in right. season two. It's a it's we've seen that kind of come back in season two, but it is a feeling that he had earlier on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really nice to see that expressed here. Yeah. You know, I just I don't feel like I see any other TV shows and or maybe rarely even movies that express romance in such a way in this way, mm-hmm. this like really deep need for romance that doesn't feel like, like if you were to tell someone about master of none, I don't think you would describe it as like a romance show. Like, no, or, no. You know? yeah. But th- so much of what this show is about is about, relationships mm-hmm. and love yeah. and romance totally and he just does it so naturally that you forget that that you're fooled into realizing yeah. that like this is what <laughs> the entirety of the show is about yeah i love i love the con artist in him that like, i know <laughs> is making all these like prestige film critics like fall in love with a show that's just about romance yes <laughs> they're usually like all about just like i don't know Oh man. Breaking bad or whatever. Yes. <laughs> so this this is I'll I'll say right now this is my favorite show on TV. Yeah. Um and I I have you rewatched season 1? No, I should. Okay. I I haven't either. I'm and I'm going to. I think I was sad that this season took like a year and a half to make. Um but it's 100% worth it. Yeah. Um I do this is not a show that I want put on a schedule. Uh, well, this has to come out every summer or something like that. He has um, no plans for a season three. Right. And that's what I'm that's I'm like, it's sad, but it's I'm also excited about that. Like, yeah, I do not want these guys to force these stories, like no. tell the stories that you have. And when you're ready to come back and it, what, what, what did he said? He said, like, if I'm 70 and I am ready for another season, then we might do another season. Sure. Um, and obviously, right after a season is done is the worst time to ask somebody when the next one's coming out. Oh, sure. Um, but <laughs> But I do think, like, I do think he will do another season, but I think it'll be very much in the future. And that's what I want. I just want little vignettes every once in a while that can keep me on this road that is the best TV show ever. (laughs) Having these two just perfect seasons from him Mm -hmm. makes me desperately want him to make a movie. I don't, see, I don't, I, I think he will make a movie, but especially watching these as seasons i don't know if he can trim a story down like and and it, and it still be as compelling like like i want more from him and if he makes a movie great i'll love it but i don't think you can do you can get that emotional depth and that kind of uh i don't know stakes I in just, something that's an hour and a half i could see aziz making a movie very much like a link later movie something that like mm-hmm. encapsulates a weekend or you know, like I just yeah. see him do, making a movie that's not plot heavy. Mm-hmm. That's more just about like people having conversations. Yeah. And yeah. it follows characters we love having frank, honest conversations about life. Um, 
I just I think he could pull it off. And okay, you've you've got me on board now. Yeah, you've got you've got me. I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I want Aziz. I want to see an Aziz version of Before Sunrise. You know. Totally. Totally. I'm, I'm in. Just, yeah. I'm in. But only if Linklater does a Master of None type TV show as well. <laughs> I, mean, I so. would die if that happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, even like I also think, you know, there is so much to mine from his childhood that like mm-hmm. we haven't heard or seen a lot of. Um, I'm not saying that he like, I, he has a plenty more to talk about than just his upbringing, but that is something that I could see him saving for a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it not, not even specifically his family, like the actual story of his family, right, but right. a similar, you know, mm-hmm. what it's, what it would be like to be, um indian growing up in the southern united states right um yeah or 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 what it's like just to be like in an immigrant family in what was it like the 80s or whatever he was like a kid mm-hmm. um, yeah i just i think i i think he could tell a really cool story with that if he ever got inspired to totally yeah <sighs> man now you got me wanting more i also i loved his book modern is it modern love or modern romance? I think it's modern romance. Um, that book is incredible, and I will read whatever he puts out next. <laughs> so, basically, I just want more from Aziz, and I, but I want him to take his time because I believe that he puts out good work when he does. Totally. What I want here's what I want. I want a a comedy starring Aziz, Camille Nanjiani, Dev Patel, and Riz Ahmed. I want all of those guys sure. in one movie. <laughs> I mean, I would. I'm. I have huge crushes on all four of them. So oh, who doesn't? I, I'm on board. <laughs> oh man. <sighs> Anything else? No, I think that covers it. I mean, other. I would just. I, I'm going to say the word natural and truth and realistic. I know, maybe right? Seven more times. <laughs> um, but I think I think I'm oh, I'm good. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to take this moment to address something um, for okay, anyone who's here we still go. listening. We sometimes, at the end of our episodes, say, like, reach out to us on Twitter. You can email us here. We're, I, I just want to admit, we're not very good at checking our email. So sometimes I like, oh, yeah, we have an email for the podcast. And I'll check <laughs> it, and I'll see an email from someone that they sent so long ago. So... Like our friend Ken recently emailed us, and um, we're gonna bring it up next week when all three of us are here. But I just wanted to say that I'm so sorry to people that email us that we don't get to you in a speedy manner. Um, but we do read them. <laughs> we do read them. We're we will get to them eventually. If you want to get to us fast, we're always on Twitter. All three of us. Yes, I should say that. So if you want to get to us fast, definitely reach out to us on Twitter. If you want to write something lengthy and you don't care about when we read it, if it's not right away, then you can feel free to email us as well. Um, our email address is feelingitpod at gmail. Our Twitter account is feel is at feelingitpod. And you can find me on Twitter at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. Lucas, where can we find you? You can find me on just about everything at Lucas and Stuff. And that is it. Bye-bye, guys. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 